This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Corey from 100 Sons. Some of you may know that we're crowdfunding our debut album and we need your help to make it happen. We're very excited to get this record out and get on the road to your city. So head on over to igg.me slash at slash 100 sons to get one of our exclusive perks and help us make this record. Jean Week on the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to front a band. And the reason I say it's Norma Jean Week is because my very good friend, Ray Harkins, he has a podcast called 100 Words or Less, and he also had Corey on this week and maybe we should have talked and coordinated this a little bit better but I figure you know what the heck they got a new record coming out it's great and what's actually cool is I listen to Ray's podcast and it's amazing how I can talk to Corey for an hour he can talk to Corey for an hour and the conversations are so different so if you enjoy this one please go over to Ray's podcast have a listen to his he's got a great show make sure you're subscribed again his podcast is called 100 words or less also, I'm sure you heard Corey talking with a little ad at the beginning, talking about his new band, 100 Sons. Very, very cool new band. I really, really like it. It actually features two members of a band I used to work with that's very near and dear to my heart. They're called Dead and Divine. I put out two of their records on my record label back in the day. Uh, I still got some CDs kicking around if anybody's interested, VeronaRecords.com. And they're actually crowdfunding their new record, which is something that I have mixed feelings about, you know, I'm not really sure how I feel about the whole crowdfunding thing. So me and Corey talk a lot about that in the podcast as well. Before we get into it with Corey, as always, I love when you guys get in touch. I love your feedback, whether you like the show, think we could have improvements. If you have recommendations of future guests, please get in touch. There's so many ways you can do it. The most easy way I'm going to say is probably email. So it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all the email, definitely. Sometimes I'm not that great at getting back to you. However, what I am good at getting back to you is Snapchat. So definitely add me on Snapchat. It's real Shane Told. I know it's a bit of a douchey handle, but Shane Told was taken. We also have uh, Twitter, which is at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. That's a lot of fun. And of course, if there's ever any photos that are pertinent to the show, we put them up on Instagram at at leadsingersyndrome. And of course, if you want to support the show, which people ask all the time, it's really easy too. If you buy things online, do you buy things on Amazon? Because they have literally everything. They got lamps. They got beds. They got doors. They got TVs. I'm look, literally looking around my room. They've got baseballs, uh, flags, hats, Jose Bautista bobbleheads, perhaps. I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure they do. You can get anything on there. So seriously, if you want to help the show out, it's really, really, really easy. You go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. All that'll do, it'll take you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in like you normally would. You won't even know anything happened. But we get 4% 
actually maybe even 6%, I'm not sure, it depends what you buy, 4 to 6% of whatever you buy, it costs you absolutely nothing. So if you're listening to this right now and you do make purchases online, especially on Amazon, please just use that link. Again, it's leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. Well, thanks again so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate your support. So let's get into it with my conversation with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean and Hundred Sons. I'm here with uh, Corey from from Norma Jean and Hundred Sons. Uh, I am, dude. I'm so sorry. I'm late. Um, actually, good, actually, kind of funny. So my Wi-Fi just totally crapped out at my apartment. I don't know why. Uh, completely not working. So um, to be safe, I drove to McDonald's. So <laughs> I am. Wow. I am right now. I'm stealing the McDonald's Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the reason that I'm about, uh, what am I, 15 minutes late. So I apologize for that right off the bat. If I have to use, like, if, if I'm doing, like, a FaceTime audio or, like, Skype or something, and when you put out a new record, you have a lot of these kind of things. So yeah. I have to actually turn my Wi-Fi off and just use my data because it, it works better than my Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Um, so, what, uh, what phone company are you with? It's... It's AT and T, so yeah. LTE works better than, and is faster. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I'm in I Canada. Just turn it off. <laughs> I'm in. I have kind of a weird phone situation because I have T-Mobile, uh, and I have T-Mobile because they have like this free worldwide thing going on where you have you have free data like everywhere in the world. And since I live in Canada, you know, I I used to have two phones. I used to have a Canadian number. For when I was home, mm-hmm. and then I'd have a U.S. one, which I would use when I was on tour in the U.S., and then also most of the rest of the world. So now I've got it down to one phone number thanks to T-Mobile. This is not an ad, by the way, listeners. I'm not, <laughs> but it is. It is like it is rad. But sometimes Send when I'm free stuff, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take a discount on my phone bill, sure. But yeah. uh, but no, I, I. But now being in Canada at the moment, um, they'll they like just kind of put me on any network, and it's not very reliable. So yeah. the last thing I want to do is be on the phone with you and have it like crap out. So apparently sure. I'm re- relying on uh, corporate America and McDonald's right now. So thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you, Ronald. Dude, but, uh, they have they have uh, better service than I do. So <laughs> well, hey, um, whatever works, it. man. So uh, how's it going today? Are you uh, are you down in Arkansas? Is that where you're living? Yes. Yeah, I'm home. Uh, we've been home for about a month now or so. So we had a little time off from our last tour. And- before our next stuff starts to take off and the record drops. Yeah, right. So, so lots going on. Um, there's like so much I want to want to ask you about, but I guess we'll start with you know you guys having some time off. I know like family is a big thing for you. You know, yeah. um, you know, even back when I first met you, like you know that was a big thing with Norma Jean and and you know you guys kind of being road warriors, um, but basically it being all about providing for your families. Um, so, so how is that now? I mean, you, you've been in the band for geez, what, like 12 years or something. 
Uh, the band mm-hmm. has been you know, going on for a long time. Now, how does how is wrestling with that? With with being like, okay, we got a new record coming out. We've got all the stuff we need to do to promote not only the band but your own art. But then also, mm-hmm. you have to be there for your family. How is that? For sure, I uh, I don't know for for Norma Jean. I, I think you can probably relate to this too, because I mean, you guys have been doing you know been a band for a very long time too. That when when you get you get there is a point you can get to where I feel like Norma Jean is in where um, we have a pretty awesome, dedicated fan base. Yeah. And, you know, like we, we don't have to like stay on the road constantly and we live within our means. So it's not like we're having to like book tours so we can pay bills like all the time and stuff. So really right now, I mean, we have a pretty good system of like, uh, you know, when we need to be out and when we need to be home and it's pretty pretty well balanced i think yeah no it's it's i was just had uh dennis from refused on the podcast last week um and you know refused mm-hmm. they're doing literally they're doing only two weeks that's their maximum that they'll do uh you know just for the families and i mean that's i mean they're refused <laughs> right yeah so they're playing shows like big shows and they're making a lot of money like their reunion show was like coachella for fucking crying out loud right yeah they're, so they're killing it I mean, they're refused and- so it's different but but obviously like you know yeah you guys have a dedicated fan base but like it's still like there's got to be times when it's like okay honey you know okay kids like daddy's yeah. got to go daddy's got daddy's got to <laughs> leave for six weeks and that's just how it is the, the another thing with me too and um i i am a lot different from a lot of you know, my peers is that I had kids really, really young. Yeah. And I, and I don't recommend anybody do this, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it's kind of cool now because um, I, I'm about to have an empty nest in less than a year. What? Both really? my kids will be moved out and adults on their own, and I will just chill. <laughs> <laughs> I'll oh be my done with God. Kids. Well, I know. So, yeah, I mean, I know I mean, that's what happens when you have kids in high school. Right. Well, I know you're and, 40 I mean, now, too, right? So, yeah. Um, Just yeah. turned 40. Yeah. Oh, hey, congratulations. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, dude, that's crazy. No, I knew you had you had kids, but like I didn't know they were adults, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I have a 17 year old, and he, you know, he'll he's in high school and actually half college already. So, you know, he's kind of already integrated into, you know, kind of finding what he wants to do with his life and stuff. So it's like I'm more in that um, thing. And it's a lot easier for me to do things. And, you know, um, so much so that I started another band like a really smart guy and <laughs> even split my time yeah. even more between yeah. my family and two projects. So uh, but it, it's really been OK, you know, like juggling all the things and um you know, I, I have a lot, a lot I want to do still, and you know, I always tell people like, you know, family is important for sure. Um, your kids are important, and you should be there as much as you can for them. Sure. But, and, and this is the part where it gets a little weird: is that they aren't everything. Like, you matter too. What you want to do matters. Um. You know, if you want to play music and, and tour, that you that that's that's cool. You can do if you want if you have a a dream you want to pursue, you absolutely should. Um, I don't think people should completely one hundred percent sacrifice their own lives um, just because they have kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that people are very uh, very scared of. 
yeah. to do like, oh, if I have kids, I can't do anything. That is just not true. You know, that's a, I think that's an episode of Family Guy or something. But, you know, you, you can you can still do those things. And, and actually, I think it enhances um, what I do because right. I do I do it harder and I do it. I do it with more passion because I know that if I'm going to spend time away from them, you know, sure. being on tour, being in the studio, then I better be doing it right because I'm, you know, I'm away from home. And that's where I want to be more than anywhere. I completely get that. And I don't have any kids. You know, I, I, in some levels, I can't relate to you. But on some levels, I absolutely can because, you know, no one in my band has kids. Um, and I think they're always was a fear we never talked about it or anything but i think like there always is a fear that like oh shit well somebody in the band has a kid they don't want to tour anymore or they want to tour less and it's going to affect everybody else and then you know what i mean yeah and, and oh, that's totally possible and that's it is possible what usually yes. happens it doesn't that's what ha- usually happens right too, <laughs> yeah. so. but it doesn't but you're saying it doesn't have to happen right there there are have to at all. yeah and yeah you know and also like i'm sure I mean, when you first started touring, um, you know, even before uh, Norma Jean, like the idea of being able to FaceTime with your kids and, you know, just that whole side of it, it's so insane now how much better it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I remember my first tour, um, you know, we we had to go to pay phones and if we were out of the... If we were out of the country, we had to go into these weird little stores and they sold like phone cards and they had some minutes on them. And some of them were total scams. Yeah. You would, you would get them man. and they just wouldn't work and they were, they were fake. And, and then you like, what do you do? Like, I, I can't speak the language here. I don't right. know. Like, so, you know, we go out to these pay phones and push the number in and there would be this voice that would come over and be like, one minute left and we're just trying to get in a, co- a conversation yeah I know. so it, it it's it's an amazing time we live in and that we can it is uh, and younger younger bands just can't relate to that like i i'll yeah you know i i a lot of times on these podcasts i talk about the old days and i don't know if the listeners <laughs> like it or if they just think i'm like coming off like a you know a, like you know walking <laughs> walking to school in the snow both hills you know uphill both ways kind of thing like you know your parents talk about but but it is it is interesting like i totally can even relate to that like you know going to europe this this the phone card scam is so int- so funny cuz that's so true um yeah. and just yeah like i remember being in the van we didn't have cell phones nobody had a cell phone nobody had a laptop even and oh, yeah, if we had sure. to um you know like there'd be times in the early days where we i'd have to do like a phone interview you know, I remember one time I, we had our first one with Alternative Press, and we literally had to stop, pull over on the side of the road. I had to get on a payphone and call <laughs> yeah. call Victory Records to connect me to Alternative Press, and I conducted the like half an hour phoner while everyone just like sat at a at a truck stop, and we were like ended up being late for the show. Like that's just how you had to do it. You yeah, know? I think I think it's uh, I think that people or listeners. Um, would like it because I think it's a, a perspective thing. Sure, you know, like um, um, you know, things are so are so much different, and things change so quickly, um, especially in music and and just in life. And I think that uh, this probably relates to a lot of people, you know, that travel as well, like people in the army as well, or you know, any kind of military where they have to be away. Like, yeah. it's just we live in a great time of communication in this digital world, and um, 
it's only going to get crazier. It's only going to get more insane. It is. So it is. And I love, in. I love the idea of like, we we sit here, you know, you sit here and you try to imagine how much crazier it could get in the next steps and stuff. And then people always seem to come to the conclusion that like, nope, not going to get any better than this. You know, like the first time yeah. I saw one of those um, T-Mobile sidekicks, you know, you know, oh, I'm, yeah, you know, dude. like it, sp- it spins out and there's the keyboard and they had like yep. aim on it. And, and it would make a little noise when you opened it and you could set like different sounds to. Right. Yeah. And it had a camera built it. in and you could upload your, I, I was like, at that point I was like, it's never going to get better than this. Like this is the best it's ever going to get. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> it, it, the sidekick. Yep, yep. I always thought it was more or less kind of a toy. Like it was like, uh, you know, like a Game Boy, but you could make phone calls and texts on it. Yeah. And yeah. Kind of. Kind of <laughs> but I mean. An iPhone is pretty much just a toy, too. I mean, for how most people use it. Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times people are sending me. It's an adult toy. Yeah, except people are just have their dog ears on and sending me pictures on Snapchat and like, yeah, yeah. So okay, whatever, dude. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I always think that's funny, and I think if we actually, if you actually could think, could could imagine how crazy it can get, then that's how you make the billion dollars because then you're the person thinking of what the next thing is and and inventing it, you know. Totally. So, yeah. Um, does your does your son how many how many kids do you have? You have two, right? I have two kids, and they're how old? Um, twenty two and seventeen. Are they both boys or twenty two year old girl? I have a I have a girl. Um, she's twenty two, and uh, my son is seventeen. Now, do they have they expressed um, interest in music or playing music at all? Um, actually, very recently, um, and I'm I mean like last week. Wow. No joke. My son, his name is Kyler, um, showed me a song that he wrote, and he had lyrics and and he's 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 uh he likes a lot of different kinds of music, and uh, this was like a hip hop song that he wrote, and it, I was like pretty blown away actually. Wow! Um, by it, um, it was really good, and um, he didn't sound like a complete idiot. So <laughs> I was I, I was like, whoa, hey, you know. Good, good job. Let's go. Let's go make some beats or something. You know, I have a studio in my backyard, and and wow, you know, he yeah. doesn't really come out there, you know, and 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 really hang out or anything. But I think, uh, you know, maybe we'll go out and make some music and stuff. But yes, he he has expressed some some interest very recently, which is kind of I don't know if that's a good thing. Or oh, it whatever, can't be a bad but, thing. I don't think there's yeah. anything bad about it at all. But you know, it, it must be tough, like. Being, you know, when your father is a is a professional musician, um, and you write something, like there must be some level of anxiety about like putting yourself out there, right? I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm completely off base, but I think in some well, ways, well, this kind of like, goes back to goes back to what we were talking about before, because um, one of the things that I realized, you know, having kids young and and um, still pursuing my dream and succeeding. Um, is that you kind of you basically you show your kids that they can do that. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, fight hard for something and it's it's definitely possible. Um I'm not a really big uh proponent of like you can do anything because you know, not everybody can be president. I don't really agree with that. You could do whatever you want. Like I, I like to say it's possible because because you might change your mind 
and, sure. and want to do something else. Yeah. And there, or something or another opportunity might come along while you're on that path. So I really like that. And, and I've, I've started, I've started to, uh, starting to see that a little bit in them. And, you know, they, they, they of course, they wait till they're older to realize how much they appreciate you. But <laughs> uh, right. as most, most people do. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's a cool thing to, to at least show them that if, you know, maybe it's not music you want, but it's something else. And, um, you know, I want them to be inspired and, um, I'm proud of them no matter what. And uh, I want them to be proud of me too. And, and so I I think there's kind of a give and take there. That's, that's, that's kind of really, um, magical in a way. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great. Um, it's great to have you on the show. First time here, I, really would love to talk about some of the old days of Norma Jean, um, kind of how you got in the band and everything, because I don't know how, how well, I don't know how, how much that story's really talked about, and yeah. um, and it is certainly interesting. Um, so I know, you know, when you came in the band, um, Norma Jean had already put out the first record. Uh, you know, Josh Scogan was, you know, who, who now people know as the guy from The Chariot uh, and 68, um, mm-hmm. and obviously... Um, at that point, him leaving the band after the it was the first album, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and, and you coming yeah, in on the second the album, first record cycle. Yeah. Yeah, and and then you know you coming in with some big shoes to fill. How was that for you um, initially? Um, it, it, the thing that um, the the main thing that to to tell there is that we were all really good friends. Um, I was doing a band called. Esoteric at the time. Some people know who that is. Most people don't. Um, you can go check it out. It's an old band from my old band from the nineties. Anyway, um, we were all really good friends. You know, this is like yeah. late nineties. Um, re- we were all very young, um, just out of high school, or just some people were. Some of us were still in high school, but uh, so you know that was. It, it wasn't. It, it was like I was kind of already kind of part of the crew in a way mm-hmm. and the way i've already always kind of considered norma jean is less of a band and more of a collective of musicians and friends because you know when we started doing this we wanted to just play with our friends in a room and you know it's still that today yeah and so uh, i mean absolutely big shoes to fill josh is an amazing uh, musician i love the chariot i love 68 we've toured with both of those bands um yeah, and we're still very, very close friends to this day, and um, but you know, I felt like I was kind of really welcomed in, um, pretty easily, and we went straight to writing. Oh God, the aftermath! Um, immediately as soon as I joined, and it just felt really, really natural. And this yeah. was two thousand four. Absolutely no, and and that's that's awesome, and I know that that that's the vibe um, for sure with with that you know, that Douglasville scene, um, you know, back in those days. And of course all of, yeah, Scogan's projects and everybody else, you know, has gone on to other things too. Um, but I mean, less so how the band welcomed you in. Mm-hmm. I'm more talking about how the kids, you know, the fans welcomed you in or didn't welcome you in because obviously a band puts out a record, you know, mm-hmm. people love that record, that first record, and they still love that record and you still play those songs. And, all of a sudden, it's a different guy, and not everybody's yeah. going to be nice about it. Oh so, no, for sure. How was that? How was that challenge for you? 
I, I think the the most important thing was um, the content because, um, um, what, like I said, one of the things that that Norma Jean has always kind of stayed on the path is that we kind of feel like the band is more or less a collective of of musicians where um, association is flexible and creative direction is shared. And, and so what I'm getting at is basically that, you know, putting a, a face to the music to us has always been kind of weird. Like we've never been good at like having that kind of image, you know, where yeah. it's like, here's, here's the guys and here's, you know, and then you should associate yourself with, with this music, these guys. And I, we kind of feel like that has, that was like something, you know, a record label made up in the thirties or something to market music, you know, basically, um, boy bands, Yeah, you know, of like, course, man, like of course. the Beatles were, were like the first boy band kind of thing. And, and, you know, it was this marketing thing. I feel like that's kind of the structure that, that the music world still works on. Absolutely. And, but, and, and so what we kind of really wanted to do was just, you know, like, hey, we put this record out, and yeah, it's a different guy. But do you like it or not? And <laughs> and that's really the approach we took to it, and it worked. Um, yeah. People people loved that record, and 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 they knew that it was a different guy, and that it was a diff- the sound was going to change a little bit. But um, I, I was I was really welcomed in pretty well, and um, you know, there's still some diehard guys out there that are like. Just gogging for life. Yeah, of course. And the way, the, what I always say is this, and I think this is really important, is that we love that record. And if you love that record and that's the only one you like, that's totally okay with us because it means you're a Norma Jean fan. And that's all that, that should matter. Like, that makes you a Norma Jean fan if you like that record. And if you come to show, we're going to play those songs, um, you know, forever. Absolutely. No, I th- I think that's uh, I think that's great, and and there's a couple things there. I mean, I kind of I might jump around. This might jump around a little bit, but like the thing you said about the boy bands, you know, and the record labels creating that, um, to to try to claim that doesn't exist in hardcore or metalcore or Christian music or whatever is total bullshit, because. It does. I mean, like, if Ollie Sykes isn't a good-looking guy with tattoos on his neck, you know, um, are Bring Me the Horizon that big a band? You could say that they're they're still a great band. You know, they they might still Mm -hmm. be, they still might be a huge band even, but I don't think they're going to be quite what put them over the top with that star power. So my question, I guess, is, is, like, you guys not feeling like you had that star power, not really worrying about your image. Do you think that that ever cost you success? I think the thing that, um, you know, there's, there's a fine line there because at the end of the day, we, we do embrace that we're entertainers. Um, yeah, that's, I think that anybody in a band, like I I remember uh, I used to go to, uh, punk shows and in the mid or early to mid nineties and stuff. And, there would be these bands coming to town. They'd be like straight up, not joking. They'd be like anti-technology is they'd say they were against like, you know, all like com- computers and, and like right. all the computer, you know, all this stuff going, I, well, I don't really understand. I wasn't part of that movement. So I don't really know what they were talking about. It didn't really take off like 
straight edge did. But I, I remember thinking <laughs> like, dude, what are you talking about? You're playing through a Marshall amp with a guitar and there's lights facing you and you're on a stage. And, and I remember all these punk bands being like DIY or die and all this stuff. And, um, and, and like, we're kind of pretending like they're not on a stage with lights facing on them and singing and people singing along to their songs and selling records and t-shirts. And like, you're an entertainer. You maybe on a very small scale, but you are. And, and so I don't want anybody to get me wrong. Um, you know, there, there, there is kind of this fine line with this image, but at the end of the day, like we want to put on a good show and we want to, you know, put everything we can into it, playing as hard as we can. And, you know, people work hard all week, you know, for their sure. money. And if they're going to spend it on a ticket on us, we want to make sure we're killing it. Right. So that's more what we focused on is our live show. And that was Norma Jean's image. And I think anybody that knows who Norma Jean is will back that statement. Like, oh, yeah. No, and that, I, I, like I agree with you, too. Norma um, Jean live and, and throwing guitars and, and whatever we did. Um, that was more or less our image. And that's what we promoted. And right. so a lot of our videos were live videos. Um, you know, we just wanted people to have this more, you know, this like experience with us. And, and on, I mean, and I don't look as good as Ollie. I just don't. He's a better looking <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, and that's well, okay with me, man. Hey, you can't win them all, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. No, and, and I love that you say the thing about um, the technology and, and all that. And it's funny because at the end of the day in music, we're all we're all hypocrites in some way. You know, like I, I'm thinking about, you know, you bring up the early 90s and stuff. Like I think about a band like like Propagandi, who one of my favorite bands and and probably the most practice what you preach band. Mm -hmm. um, but still, like, no matter how much you say, like, OK, we, you know, we're caring about the environment and all this stuff. It's like you still had to fill up your bus with diesel, you know, mm -hmm. and drive across America to get to that show. And you still like. You're still making some kind of, you know, carbon <laughs> footprint, you know, footprint. Yeah, There's something. no way around it. You're going mm -hmm. to be a hypocrite in some way. Um, whatever it is, you can say that you're, you're, you know, you know, you're not doing this for the money. Well, you still get paid, you know, and you still have to pay, you know, feed yourself. And, you know, there's so many aspects of what we do that are, are hypocritical and, and you can't get away from that. Um, and it's, it's, Agreed. you know. Yeah, I, 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 the music industry is full of it too. Um, because I mean, people. Okay, the thing is, is that people want to not just attach themselves to good music, but um, music has always had a, a a cathartic thing to it, and a um, you know something that people want to attach to, and and sometimes it's a it's a movement or something or um, you know a message. And when I, when I watch those shows, like the, those early shows, like, you know, um, like you were talking about and we were talking about a second ago, I, I remember the first time I saw a band scream into a microphone and, you know, it was kind of this, uh, it, it wasn't a vocal style yet. Like it is now, like now it's like, here's my screaming voice and here's my singing, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it is now. But uh, I think when I saw it for the first time, I saw it as like, 
this person is yelling into a microphone because they're so um, just engulfed in what this song is about that they can't just sing it. They have, they want to yell it. You know, it's, it's a, right. there was a passion thing that was coming yeah. from them. And I, I remember like in between songs, the, I can't remember the name of this band now, but, um, I wish you could, you, <laughs> no guesses. I, um, I think it was a band from Texas called baboon. Okay. Baboon. And, what a name. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're actually a badass band. And I think that's who it was. But, you know, in between the songs, it was like, this song's about this and this and this and this and this. It was like every song was just totally different thing. And, and then they would go into singing. I'm like, God, these guys know exactly what what they're backing. And yeah. there's this passion that's coming. And I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And that's that's really where my roots are as far as, like, being in a heavy band and, and singing about something that's, um, you know, you really believe in. Right. No, and, sure. And, and that's, that's obviously uh, important to, to your band and, and always has been. I mean. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, that's – obviously everyone is going to, you know, you know, grow up and, and figure out that, you know, they change their mind a little bit or, or realize that like, you know, not everything when they were younger was exactly on point. And, and so, yeah, like, I think it's a good thing that we were, we find hypocrisy in that because we learn from it. Right. It's okay to change your mind, you know, for sure. Um, I think if you don't, if you don't embrace you know what how you feel um and you you know you keep doing things the same way because you've always done it that way i think that's actually pretty dishonest you know so yeah so absolutely i think there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with with changing what you think and and you know people throw around the word flip-flopping it's like well hey i mean if that's what you think that's what you think i don't i don't i never understood i know i guess (laughs) that's more of a political thing but like i never understood just just say what you say what you do what you feel you know whatever i think um, the the, the flip flopping thing is funny cuz like you know it is a political thing and you get a dude that's flip flopping but he's not admitting that it's like dude just say you changed your mind well i mean yeah and, and the other thing too is like you know we 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 talked about the image thing and what's bullshit in the music industry like in 09 you guys um changed labels and you left Long, you know, your long-term um, uh, tooth and nail, solid state, yeah. and you signed with Razor and Tie. And yes. Razor and Tie, I don't know if they were a full-on major label, but they were backed by a major label. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, that must have been a whole different thing for you guys um, from what you were used to. And, you know, it didn't, you know, to be honest, it didn't really work out, I guess, looking back. So, how was that? Yeah. And, I mean, now you guys are back on solid state. Um, so, the, the, so how was that journey for you and, and how did you find that? The Razor and Tie story is really interesting because, um, okay, Razor and Tie's roots are, are basically, um, they, they kind of sign like older artists, like guys that are, that don't tour or anything. And, and they're just like sitting around. So they're like, uh, sign that guy and make him do a record and, all the old school fans will buy it. Like that's what they do. And then they also do a lot of people might not know this is kids bop. Everybody oh. knows what kids bop is. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was that make so much money off that. And they also do like monster ballads and, um, country hits, <laughs> you know, they, that's what, that's how razor and tie like started. They, they, they started that. Well, just so happens 
that a lot of the people that work there um, were huge Norma Jean fans. Oh, okay. And so that's why we signed to Razor and Tide. Um, when we signed, there was only a few bands on there. It was like us. Um, oh, gosh, who else was on the label? I can't even remember right now, so I'm not going to even try. But there was there was like two other bands. Yep. Um, an- another heavy band and then somebody else. I can't remember right now. And, and there, there really wasn't much else. And so, you know, all the basically kids bop funded meridional <laughs> is basically what i'm getting to yep that is funny <laughs> and so you know we th- those guys came down and met with us in atlanta and um they were just awesome and and they were all so stoked on norma Jean and what we were doing and and that's all we signed with them because you know and you, you i'm sure you can relate to this as well like i bet i bet that a lot of bi- all your interviews say that to you don't they I bet you can relate to this. I get it. Yeah, I get it all the time. Like even just somebody saying, "You know how it is," you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I'm, I'm and that's part of it. that's part of why this podcast <laughs> I think is compelling because people know they can't bullshit me. <laughs> you know, yeah. they know I know. It's true. <laughs> they know you know. <laughs> that's really cool. I, I I really like the podcast too. By the way, Thanks, I want to say that I think I think the name is genius, and that is totally <laughs> yeah. a real thing. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, but anyway. That they came down and they were just so excited. And, and when you're signing to a label, people that aren't in bands or haven't signed to a label before, um, you're you're not you're there. You want a good deal on the table, of course, and you want mm-hmm. the writing to look good and all the contracts, of course. That's really boring. But you're also looking at that team of people and what what they're like and how excited they are for you. And that team of people is invaluable. Sure. So I would almost take a lesser amount of money or like uh, a not as good contract for better people than a really good contract for a bunch of people who probably don't really give a shit. Yeah. And, and that's what they were. They were just dudes that really cared and that's why we signed with them. And, but then it just so happened though that the label was kind of a revolving door of people. Yeah. And so all of those original people that we loved, they left and we got, you know, kind of, shelved in a way like we got pushed to the back of importance and they had signed so many bands since they signed us yeah they just went they just went for it and signed a ton of bands so it really just fell apart you know based on the team of people there and we we just uh well um we found a way out we our our contract was technically not up with with razor and tie but we found a way out we wanted out and and so we found a way out, got out early, and um, Solid State was right there waiting for us that's to good. come back. No, that's a nice... <laughs> and, and they were so awesome and excited, and we were just like, okay, let's do this, you know? And, yeah. And they've been super, super cool. That's great. No, I always I always talk to... I've, my band's never been on a major label, you know, or had that kind of thing happen before. We've been on just kind of an indie... Indie label, bigger indie labels, but indie labels nevertheless. And I, I got to ask, like, was there pressure to for a radio hit where they trying to get you to clean up your vocals write different um, lyrics because like i mean you guys came out with a song called kill more presidents which <laughs> like yeah that's not really mainstream um and <laughs> no. that's could piss some people off so i was like i'm like okay that's what you're going for i'm not sure what the image thing is here or what that was all about or how calculated that was but i wanted to ask you well, that song, um, just to, since you brought it up, was, yep. is about greed. And uh, it was just like, hey, we need more presidents for money. And it was just kind of a play on words thing. But uh, 
and it really kind of came from that actually so funny you brought that song up because it was about our previous relationship with our label not (laughs) necessarily solid state but um solid state was a subsidiary of emi at the time oh yeah another major label and a lot of these labels are like that Um, yeah that's true you know razor and tie was is part of sony that's think is their is their their major yeah their distributor and their their maybe they own part of it or whatever oh my god hello fuck hello oh bummer hello hey dude sorry man the wife no. the, the mcdonald's in uh wi-fi is not killing it anymore it was it was it's crushing killing it. no the mcdonald's wi-fi uh cut us off but um I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash LSS for fifteen percent off Raycon wireless earbuds. By Raycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, you were, you, were, uh, you were talking about EMI. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a tooth and nail. Be- oh, yeah. Being- so, so a ba- you know, basically, uh, the uh, you know, it's back. The, the the label is backed by a, a major label. So, you know, e- every conversation we had, and every just you know, all the cool things that we were trying to do, that that label doesn't see any of that stuff. Yeah. They just they just see this probably an email or a phone call saying, "Hey, um, we want to do this," and they can just say yes or no. So. You know, there's, it's just like this, uh, they're just kind of, it's kind of like gambling in a way, these <laughs> yeah. major labels. They're gambling, they're rolling the dice, and they're saying, this band might might pick up steam, this band might pick up steam, so we're just going to gamble on them and see if, if one of them hits. And, yeah. you know, maybe one of them does, and they just kind of like don't really care about the rest. They don't necessarily drop all those bands. Some of those, some labels do do that. They, they'll just drop bands shelf records they don't even give a crap yeah no it's it's kind of disgusting uh, so you know right, bands kind of get tricked into into this stuff and um you know I, I think uh one of the cooler things to happen in in the the past you know five or so years is is crowdfunding and and um bands doing it on their own and basically uh, it's kind of like a a business that is owned by its employees, you know, the, the fans, the fans are the record label and the supply meets that demand. And I I love the platform. I think it's great. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I feel like a mixed, I have mixed feelings on it. The way you describe it there and you described it very well. And I, I'm kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I can't argue with that really. But then when I think about actually doing it, you know, for any of my projects, I feel a little bit like I'm taking advantage of people, um, or, or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't feel completely honest to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't actually discussed crowdfunding on this podcast before, and I haven't really. Mm. You know, I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't know how I feel about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I didn't either um, when it first started, and that's what always happens with everything. I remember when texting was a thing for the first time. Yeah. And I, everybody was like, whatever, man, what's wrong with the phone call? Like, keep it real. Yeah. You know, like, it's like those like, bands against technology in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, you know, I remember getting, I remember someone in the band getting the uh, text and like, what should I do? I'm like, screw it. Text them back. Like, you know, like it, it's such a weird little thing to think about, but that's how people are. And yeah. we're very traditional and, and we like to be loyal to things. And, but I, I think I think crowdfunding is great, and of course, there's a lot of bands out there that are gonna be like, "That's it's stupid." Like, why? It, you're you're the band. Uh, the fans are buying a record from the band directly. Yeah, and and um, it, it get you know, there's no label to say no to us. There's no label to with a, another label above them that can say no to something. Like we make our own thing. Now, obviously, there's a. Uh, there's a great amount of things that come from a, a label and a team of people. Um, and of course being on a label is better, but you know, if a band is trying to get something off the ground, um, you know, it's really just a group of musicians that are, that just want to play music and, and make something happen. And that's, that's a really cool way to do it. And it's basically what bands have done for years. Yeah. Um, they pay for a record they put it out. They hope a bunch of people buy it, and they tour on it. And and what happens? They they turn into something, and they get signed to a label. Crowdfunding just makes that happen faster. Yeah. Because no, I mean it's you it's, can 
it, push it, it to and push out this music and make this a better record because you have a little more funding behind it and then tour on that same thing and the same exact thing happens but faster yeah no i i don't know i don't know what my reservations are about it when you explain it it makes sense but just some in some ways i just feel like dirty about it i don't know i feel like i'm convincing people you know, mm-hmm. to in, to invest in me, like I feel a little bit like a door to door salesman or something. You You're know? asking for money. You are. You're yeah. totally asking for money. Yeah, but hey, I mean, you know, it's it is. You do and, have and to embrace these things. Like the text message thing's funny. Uh, do you remember the first text message you ever got? I don't. I don't. I remember. I remember uh, our dr- our drummer Daniel getting yeah. the, his first text message and flipping out like, whoa, I got a text message. Well, you remember yours? I do. Yeah, I remember it was from, we were on tour. It was from a girl named Sarah. Um, and we had stayed at her house the previous night. Uh-huh. And she like wrote me a text message saying like, I don't know, something kind of weird. <laughs> and I was like, this is just freaking me <laughs> what, out. What like, was it? <laughs> I don't remember the exact wording. Um, uh-huh. It was kind of like a I like you a lot kind of text message. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> and, dude, of course that's what it was. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that was like, you know, that's like the foray into being able to say something to somebody but not have to actually like look them in the face speaking to them. You know right. what I mean? Like and she was able the, to slip like, that same. in there. Mm-hmm. And then you was, have, and you have no you have no ties to it whatsoever. Right. It's just out there now and if if you know, they don't reply or nothing happens. Yeah, that that was kind of the thing about it too. Like <laughs> yeah. people were bummed. Like say it to my face, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. well, yeah. It's it's I love I I use it, I text the crap out of people and Oh yeah, sure I, everybody a, does now. Yeah. Like, so it's like yeah, no, not even a big deal. But I, I think it kind of relates to that kind of same thing. People don't like to, uh, you know, we're, we get rooted easily in, in things, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard to break out of them. But, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, there's, there's so many cool things that have come out of, out of the uh, crowdfunding thing besides music. And I think, I think you just can't, you can't say no to that. That's a cool thing. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think you, you're winning me over, Corey, so that's great. <laughs> um, let's talk about shit. We, we got to talk about singing a little bit. Um, that that's I think some people listen to this podcast for that. I don't know. I don't really know. But um, I, your voice, I mean, you've really evolved as a singer, um, especially like the with the 100 Sun stuff. Like listening to that, it's like, you know, mm. I mean, it's amazing. It really is Thank amazing. You, you, sound, you sound great on that. Um, now, I don't know when you first came into Norma Jean if you were just like I gotta just sound like Josh Scogan I just gotta sound like him you know <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and then how much of that journey you've taken finding your own voice but um, I'd love if you could share you know your journey into you know going through your 20s and 30s and now into your 40s and you know mm-hmm. as being a screamer singer you know vocalist in general absolutely I'd love to um, I love I love the instrument I call it an, an, an instrument because it is it's um, I learned a long time ago that, you know, basically if you're a singer, your body is an instrument. And um, so, you know, when I first started um, being in bands, playing music, um, I just wanted to be a guitar player. That's all I ever wanted to do is be stage left, play guitar, <laughs> and that's it. And Me too, man. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> so that all the bands I was in, I always played guitar, and then um, I was the only guy that could sing you know, or do anything. So I always yep. kind of ended up being the singer. And then yep. eventually I just, that's what I did. And, um, but Norma Jean was actually the first band I was ever in. 
where I was just the singer. Yeah. And that's all I did. I always played guitar and sang. We have the same story, dude. I can't believe this. Keep going. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, the thing is, is uh, when I joined Norma Jean, I kind of, um, well, actually, okay, let me back up a little bit. Before that, I was, I was filling in guitar for a band called Living Sacrifice. Oh, I remember them. And yeah, and I was actually going to take over vocals for that band. Um, their singer Bruce was leaving, and um, and so I was going to take over vocals for that band. And I had been doing Esoteric up to that point and been just fine. For some reason, when I started to sing for that band, I couldn't do it. It wasn't there, and it was really scary. Um, my dr- uh, my brother was uh, like a second drummer for that band, so he would come over and like me and him would just practice. And of course, I had to play guitar in that band too. And I would try to sing just to get my vocals up and going, and it just wasn't there. Huh. That's the that's what happened. I didn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't remember how to do it. Just it just went away. So, long story short, that didn't work out. And um, you know, years later, I'm or actually a couple years later, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just I'm working at a regular job. I've kind of gotten to the point where i've kind of given up music in a way i really did i really started to think like you know what this isn't working i'm you know 20 well, you're in your years. late 20s right yeah yeah i was like 26 years old or something okay. like that and and i was just like yeah, this isn't working whatever like i got i got a family now uh um, yeah i just got married and stuff so you know i was kind of giving it up and then that i swear that's when daniel called me from norma Jean, and they needed a singer in three weeks and I was so scared that first practice, uh, you know, th- I'm just going to be a vocalist in this band. That's it. And I didn't know if I could do it, but um, I think it was a r- very stylistic thing. And I think that vocals come, you know, like I was saying earlier about, you know, being passionate about it. That really is where my roots lie. And if I'm not passionate about what I'm singing about, and I'm not stoked to be there in those songs and they don't relate to me. Um, yeah then I, I don't think my voice works. I think there really is something there about that for me. Interesting. And, and um, so when, when I got to practice with them for the first time, I, it was there and it worked and it was insane. Mm. Um, and we did Oh God, The Aftermath. And if you listen to that record and listen to you know what I do now, it's, it's like a completely different person. Yeah. So I, um, I did that record. And then before Redeemer... You know, basically, I really wasn't doing it right. I was still sound- I don't like my vocals on that record, and uh, I've been pretty vocal about that. Oh, God. Fans, fans know it. I, I just don't like the way I sound. I don't care, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people like it. I I, I don't. Whatever. It's, it's, it's like heavy, growly stuff, but, you know, I wanted to do a much more dynamic range. And so I did take lessons before Redeemer. Oh, and okay. I, I, I couldn't, I can't say any more good things about how great that was for me. Who, I mean, um, who um, did you see for lessons? I saw Ron Anderson. Ron um, Anderson. Okay. He, he's, he's great. Um, uh, vocal coach. Um, he's done, uh, like red hot chili peppers and Bjork. And he, uh, did Aaron, uh, from me without you has gone to him and stuff. Wow. He's done some insane stuff. Um, Oh yeah. He, uh, Avenged Sevenfold is probably his biggest right. achievement. He actually is in medical journals for fixing that guy's vocals. Who, wow. He had an operation on his uh, vocal cords, 
and they removed a cyst or something. And yeah. they said, "Yeah, oh, you can't sing anymore. I've heard that story a lot. But he actually was able to coach him back into singing, which is really cool. That's crazy. So the guy's awesome. Was he, was he, when you met with him, he was familiar with like the vocal style of screaming? Like oh yeah, what you for did? sure. Because that's, you I know, told him, that's I a bit of a music. thing that people are like, some of those you know, like obviously mm-hmm. Melissa Cross is a pretty famous one, but a lot of the people that are that are yeah. involved in being a vocal coach or or whatever, um, a lot of them are just like, nope, that's like not you're not supposed to do that. Just don't do that. Yeah. Well, basically, um, what he does is it, it all comes from a similar place. It, it's not the same though. Singing and screaming are two totally different kind of things. I think anybody who does both can knows what I'm talking about, but. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he was really able to help me with both. And um, I, I, swear, I always tell this, like, I feel like he handed me this, like, Dr. Seuss instrument, like, with horns coming out and twirls and little, you know, f- handles and levers and stuff on it. <laughs> you know, like, here's what you've been trying to play all these years. Right. You know, like, how the hell do you play this thing? I mean, he really blew my mind and, to, huh. and and changed everything about how I sing. And if you listen to Oh God, the Aftermath and listen to Redeemer right behind it, it I totally changed everything. And then I really just grew from there and, and, and just I embraced the instrument as I as I was embracing the guitar before. Well, when and you I love guys... it and, you know, that's really where it comes from. Yeah. Well, when you guys did the 10 year tour for Oh God, the Aftermath. Um, was that weird then? Like basically having to be forced to sing all those songs again that you didn't like. And then like, how did you approach <laughs> the vocals for that? Um, I mean, I was just, I was just, I was just myself. I love the songs. I just think that, you know, looking back, of course, everybody's like, yeah, I can do that better now. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, you know, it, that record is cool for what it is, but, um, you know, you grow as a musician and sure you get better and you change. And, um, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, it's okay to change your mind and, 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 you know, look back on that stuff. Uh, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it wasn't that weird. Like it was really fun actually playing those songs. And, um, I got sick of them by the end of the tour and I was ready <laughs> to play, I was trying to play other stuff. I mean, it's just kind of weird. Like, um, I, I, we'd never done a anniversary tour or anything before, but uh, when we did that one, it was kind of like, "Hey, we are basically promoting a ten-year-old record." Yes. Why are we doing this? So yeah, by the yeah. end of the tour, I was kind of weirded out by it. Like, this is—I mean, this, it was awesome. It was so fun, but um, yeah, it was just like kind of strange in a way. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed. We did a ten-year tour too for our 2005 record, and and. Um... Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it, and I, I actually didn't really get sick of the songs. But one thing that was important for us to do was we were like, okay, if we do this, we need to make sure we have a new song like from an upcoming record out. We need people to know that. We need to be playing it mm-hmm. because we need these people that are maybe they're maybe they still listen to us, maybe they don't, um, but we need them to know that we're still you know, we've, we're still a band. We've grown as a band and we're still killing it. You know, that's uh cool. That was important. So that's the advice. If that's, any, any bands are that, listening to this, cause I know a lot of bands listen to this. That's my advice for, for doing an <laughs> anniversary was, tour. That's what I was actually about to say is like, <laughs> I will remember that next time. <laughs> I mean, people look, fans, fans loved it. And that is what 
made it cool is, yeah. is that it was like this nostalgic thing. People came out and they sing along to all these songs that um, a lot of them we've never played live ever before. So it, it, there was this really cool element to it. And um, I think just playing the shows and in, in general kind of brought some people out of the woodwork that hadn't been to a show in a long time just to see that. And that was cool, but uh, no, you know, we definitely should have had some new music. Think, by the, that would have helped, maybe a little bit. Do you think for Redeemer or any of the other records, you might do that again or something like that? Yeah, this year is actually ten years for Redeemer, and we just—I mean, we're putting out a new record this year, right. so we don't have time for it. But sure. I do want to do something for it next year. Um, I don't know if an eleven-year <laughs> tour is cool. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm, it's I'm, funny. I'm no, figured I, out the logistics of marketing. That, yeah, no, that's that's funny. I, no. I do want to do something for it. I don't want to name names, but yeah, it is funny when some bands spill over and they they extend their ten-year tour, and then it's the eleven-year tour. Uh, <laughs> it, it's you know, it's like a little bit like yeah. okay, guys, let's uh, you know, maybe it's time to wrap it up, but. Uh, <laughs> It's so true. Uh, I don't know. I want to do something for it, but like I said, I just don't have time for it with a new record coming out. uh, People are asking for it, but we'll Well, see. Maybe we'll do some like, you know, like a a few shows or something like me, you know, on a tour next year. Well, let's talk about the new record. Um, It's called Polar Similar. It comes out on Solid State Records when? What day? September 9th is the day and pre-orders... Or at normagenoise.com. Cool. And yeah, September 9th is the day. 9th is the day. And um, I know you have a cameo from Sean Ingram from Coles on there. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, so sick. What other exciting things about the record are there that uh, people should be stoked on? I think uh, what, probably the coolest thing is is we recorded at um, Pachyderm Studios, which is where Nirvana did In Utero. Oh, wow. Um, and... Uh, Live recorded throwing copper there. Um, no, no, no! Don't don't, did, don't bring up that one. Let's just let's just talk about Nirvana, not live. Well, I love that record, but <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> is that the Lightning Crashes one? And yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> okay. I think the record's awesome. But <laughs> Failure did Comfort there, which is another great record. So yeah. I don't know. It, the thing has the, the studio has a great history to it, and um, it it was really appealing to us to, to go to a place like that to where some of our favorite records like in utero were made because we wanted to try to find that sound and really make a, um, a kind of a very, um, I don't know. A, we wanted the acoustics of those, of those old records like that. Like a more organic so, record. Is that, is yeah, that a very, fair word? Absolutely. And, we, and boy, did we find it, man! This place is crazy. Uh, so there's this big house on the on the property that we all stayed in, and then you know, several hundred feet away, there's a studio, a big studio there. And um, you know, we would sleep in the house, and it had an indoor pool too, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just an amazing place. It has this old, creepy, kind of eerie vibe to it, like with like kind of sixties. De, uh, you know, design and it's totally been remodeled and, and they kept all those elements, but uh, it's just a really cool vibe. And we really got, once we got there, we really changed everything to kind of match that atmosphere and, and put that atmosphere on the record. Cool. And I, I think you can really hear that one if you listen to it all the way through. Right. Um, and beyond that, the, the record is, is kind of a, has a theme to it. Whereas we, 
we wrote the first song with the intention of that being the first song from the beginning. And yeah. The last song was intended to be the last song from the beginning. So when you write in that way, you you find different things and you 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 know, oh, this is going to be the first thing they hear on this if they when they buy this record. So it's a cool thing to write like that and just like, you know, different little experimentations like that. Right. Well, I know lyrically Norma Jean's always been kind of a collaboration with the members. Is it is that still this the case or is it is it more is it more so something Not that as you're much. doing? Not as much. Um that was definitely a thing that that uh, w- was very um, important to Norma Jean for um, me and Scotty and, and and also when Daniel was in the band. Yeah, because those guys they write great lyrics. But um, uh, you know, most most of the this new record is really I just went to town with it and and wrote kind of a story or a theme to uh, kind of a um, concept. Yeah, cool. And uh, a couple of the lyrics were, were were brought in from the other guys, but for the most part, the um, Polar Similar is is really just all me. Which is, I, I had a lot of fun doing it that way. And but the 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 other side of that is that um, there's a lot more songwriting power in the band now than there used to be um, from the other members. So we've kind of kind of turned the tables a little bit. Um, but you know, still kind of a similar thing. Yes. How much do you, um, as a guitar player, have you been present as a writing guitar parts and stuff in the band, um, or not really to keep that kind of to the guitar player? Absolutely. I, I've um, when I joined, I wrote probably eighty five percent of Oh God, the aftermath. Oh wow. And wow, that's crazy um, for a new member. Another. Yeah, and I wrote most of Redeemer as well, yeah. and the Anti Mother, and um. Meridian really uh, Scotty started to step in writing a lot more. Daniel was writing a lot more before that. So um and then when Jeff joined, um he really just oh man, that guy can pump out some riffs. It's insane. Nice. So uh wrongdoers and, and polar similar have a lot of Jeff on there as well. And uh so yeah, this this songwriting has changed a little bit, but um stylistically it's it's still Norma Jean. I, th- I think there's this uh, there's a lot of growth in the band. That's no, that's that that's great to hear. That's great to hear. Now, um, you guys, I'm sure you guys are going to put this record out on September 9th, and you guys are going to be doing some shows, some touring. Um, now, how is that going to be juggling that, and also with your new band, um, Hundred Sons? Uh, is that going to be difficult? And what is the plan for Hundred Sons? I know, maybe maybe just give a little background about that for people that don't know about the band. Sure. Um, so yeah, Hundred Sons is me. Um, Legs, um, who used to be in Every Time I Die, and Chris, who was in Dead and Divine, uh, both Canadian dudes. <laughs> uh, yes, I know with, them both with, very well. In fact, I used to yeah. manage. I used to manage Dead and Divine. I put out their first two records on my label. Oh, okay. So I know, I'm very, very familiar. I know Chris really well, and I know actually I know um, I know Legs really well too because he was in Dead, Dead and Divine for a while as well. So he was, he was, and um, of course, you know, uh, I. We, you know, we all been kind of friends for a very long time, so it's kind of weird how everybody knows everybody in this industry. But, I know, um, I know. It, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, we, uh, Norma Jean did a tour with Dead and Divine, um, 2012, I want to say, and then that was also, I'm pretty sure, the year that they disbanded. Um, after that, yeah, it sounds about right. A little bit after that tour, so um, you know, me and Chris became really good friends, and and he started sending me some riffs and he 
he sent me the riff for a song called Fractional, which we actually released earlier this year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I knew exactly. Okay, so with Norma Jean, I really put a lot of thought in. It's like a long process to decide what I'm going to sing, what the lyrics are going to be. And I just very like meticulous about it. For some reason, he sent me this. He sent me the chorus for Fractional. I just knew exactly what I wanted to sing on it. I wrote the lyrics that day, and it's still the same wow. lyrics. Wow. And it was just something happened. It was a spark. And we just kind of realized that we work really well together. That's and great. He was, he's writing everything. So that's also a, a, another different dynamic because I really just focus on the vocals and the lyrics, and that's it. And I love that. It's such a cool, great relief just to kind of – only really focus on what I'm going to do vocally. So that, that the band was kind of born like 2013, I want to say, and um, took a few years to kind of get some songs going. And um, and so here we are, 2016, and sure. we're ready to go. Do you, you? So you have a full length record? Is it finished? No, it's not finished. We we have about two or three more songs to write. Cool. Um, they're kind of all the bones are there. Um, but I've been kind of singing the last couple of weeks, just trying to get ideas down and, and, and stuff. And, and you had asked about like how I'm going to juggle all this stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, I don't definitely. know. <laughs> well, that's honest. I like that. You're I honest. don't, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, I like, I kind of like that, that there's this kind of risk factor to it. You know, this, this, uh, I don't really know what's going to happen kind of thing. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. I know. Cool. I, I um, no. I, I I know. Like legs. I mean, part of why he left every time I die, I think, was because he didn't want to tour as much, and he's a family man as well. You mm-hmm. know, I know his wife pretty well. Um, so you know, is that maybe going to be a challenge too to kind of be able to to get everybody on board? I you know I can't speak for everybody, but I sure. know that legs has expressed his very ex- he's very excited to get back on the road oh, and, great. and tour and, and not work nine to five all the time. So yeah, he, he's, he's like begging to, to get this off the ground. And so nice. everybody's, re- and I know Chris is as well. He wants us to be his full-time job. So, yep. um, those guys are gung ho. I am as well. Um, we want to make it happen. And you know, there's this kind of a, you know, like, you know, I've done Norma Jean, like, you know, we started this out. You said you mentioned that I've done done it for twelve years, almost thirteen, actually. And, yeah. Um, you know, I just want to try different things. You know, um, and again, I'm sure you can relate to this. But as a musician, you know, you want to try different things. You want to. There's so many different ideas that you have, and um, I think you know I, I want to explore all those while I'm still able-bodied to do them. And you know, I'm not getting any younger. So <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, sure, man, no. But, no, did you uh, um, did you yeah. totally freak out when you turned forty, or you 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 chill? I I freaked out a little bit that day. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I was I told that we were on tour. We were actually in New Orleans, and uh, we had a great show that night. And um, I knew the guys were like ready to ready to rage. Yeah. And so funny, like they were so pumped, like to that I was turning forty. And I, I but I had told them I was like, do not, and I mean, do not throw me any kind of like real like 40 year old party thing like do not do it i'll fucking flip out so uh they didn't do it uh, i love them to death thank i'm so glad they didn't do it but 
they they raged and like I ended up just kind of like hanging out at the bar by myself <laughs> while they were having so much fun. But it, it, there's kind of that was cool. Like they were excited and um, but I you know it ended up being a lot of fun. Well, that's great. That's great, man. No, it's. Uh, I heard somewhere that your 30s are the toughest, and then once you get into your 40s, life gets easier. So, here's I, to you that. Know, I, yeah, for sure. I, I can back that for sure. Because you know, the, I always said, you know, being in your 30s, it's like you're not so old that you can't do anything, but you're not so young that you don't know anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah. 40s is is kind of like a little bit. A little bit, you know, stepping towards, uh, you know, the not being able to do anything. <laughs> <part>. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> it's it's it, well, you know, it's coming is the thing. It's not. I, I it's it's a it's a knowledge thing. It's not a physical thing. I'm actually in great shape, and um, I have great genetics and and good parents to think for that. But um, I, I think uh, you, you, it, there's there's a there's a wisdom that comes, I think, because you realize, you know, this is, I remember, you know, like my parents being 40 and like thinking they were the oldest people in the world. And, <laughs> and then you get here and it's like, it's not that it's, there's something, there's a wisdom to it. And That's I think true. that, and, and you see that you kind of see kind of what the future has in store for you and what you, you know, I'm more excited now than I ever have been to, to, to be a musician, to be a father to, um, you know, I've changed so many, you know, things in my life in just the past few years, but, um, I'm, I'm still very, very excited to, to do what I do. And I'm, I'm more excited than ever, um, actually to, uh, to be a musician and, and to be a a family man and, and, and all that stuff. Well, that's awesome, man. Corey, it's, it's so good catching up with you. It's been a long time. It's been a lot of years. Uh, it's so good to hear, you know, Norma Jean still kicking it, still kicking ass. New record coming out in September and also another project with 100 Sons and the family, like the kids growing up. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool story. So um, so all the, all the best with having your house back, you know. That's great, too. Enjoy that. Thank you so much. Dude. You gonna put you. A, are you going to put a hot tub in your kid's room or anything? I, I'm, I don't know, man. I, don't know. I gotta do something, though. I gotta do something. There, it's kind of weird. Like we do have a free room now in the house, and it really just sits there. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. I, it's kind of untouched, and we caught. We say it's still her room, and she comes home and sleeps in it sometimes. I was like, man, I need to do something cool in there, but nothing, nothing. It's just chills. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, it's it's great talking to you. Um, Absolutely, man. You we always well. we always play music on the podcast. So, um, how about I play that Hundred Suns jam you were talking about, Fractional? Does that sound good? Yeah, totally. Let's that jam good. that. Let's jam that for the people. Uh, thanks again, Corey, so much. Here it is, Fractional by Hundred Suns, brand new band on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love.
five, five.